Anybody else happy to be alive tonight in the house? Yeah? Anybody excited for the last week of Better Than Vacation? This has been an awesome series. Speaking of vacations, find somebody around you and say, hey, speaking of vacations, you really look like you could use one, like yesterday. <laughs> Don't you love that? Like that question, people are like, dude, you, you look sick. Like, you look are you really tired? Are you sick? And you're like, no, actually, I feel fantastic. So this must be what my face looks like when I'm super healthy. So thanks for that insult. I hate that question. Hate it. Um, but I'm so excited for tonight. This series is so just my heartbeat. It honestly is. And I have 12 pages of pretty solid notes from the past three messages to prove that to you. It's been a very good series. To be honest with you, I'm kind of intimidated to close it out tonight, just to be honest, between you and me. Don't tell anybody else. But I'm also very excited at the same time because I really, really feel like God has given me a specific word tonight to whoever this is for. And that word is, wait for it, repentance. Repentance, yeah. And I know it's not the sexiest topic to talk about in church, all right? But I think, honestly, it might be the key, the key to truly stepping into a life that is better than vacation, regardless of the season of life that you might be walking through, right? Jesus opens the jail cell, and repentance is you walking out of that jail cell and then continuing to walk out of it no matter how many times you might walk back into it, leaving the old for the new every day. You cannot start thriving until you get sick and tired of just surviving. You cannot start thriving until you get sick and tired of just surviving. And I pray that you're sick of it. I pray that you're sick of ordinary. I pray that you're sick of settling. I pray that you're sick of compromising. I hope that you're ready for more. I hope that you'd be willing to lay down the entire world to step into whatever it is that God might have for you. This is the heartbeat of Jesus, okay? This is New Testament Jesus lingo that is repentance, okay? This is not outdated. This is not old school. This is the very first thing that Jesus ever preached about. I'm going to show you. Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 12. Here we go. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. So the Old Testament is full of prophecies, and the New Testament is full of Jesus fulfilling those prophecies. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee to the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach. And so this is how Jesus begins his ministry right here. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. That word repent in the Greek is the word metanoia, which is a word that means the transformative change of heart or change of mind. The transformative change of heart or change of mind. In other words, leave that way of thinking for this way of thinking. Leave that life for this life. Leave the old for the new. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And Jesus is imploring you tonight to leave the old behind because something better has arrived. The jail cell has been opened. Walk out of it tonight, right? Tonight, leave fear for faith. Tonight, leave lamentation for celebration. Tonight, 
in this place, right? Leave surviving for thriving. Finally set down the one day mentality and pick up the right now mentality because the kingdom of heaven is not then, it's not there. The kingdom is here and the kingdom is now. And tonight I wanna preach to you a message that is so straight from my heart and it's been my earnest prayer that even a decade from tonight you will remember this message simply as the pillar talk. The pillar talk. So if you're taking notes, go ahead and write that down. The pillar talk. That's where we're going tonight. I know that's vague. It's going to make more sense, I promise. Let's pray, and then we're going to dive into it. God, I pray from the bottom of my heart what I've been praying all week, that you would not let a single soul walk out of this building tonight the same as they walked in here. Speak to us and change us tonight. We are so grateful for life and for every breath that we breathe tonight and for your grace. And this is for your glory. This is for your fame. We love you and we pray all of these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. We're my photographers in the house. Any photographers? Like real photographers, not like you can take like a cool boomerang on your iPhone, right? Like you could explain to me like what aperture and exposure are. You don't need skill to be to take amazing iPhone photos. You need an iPhone, okay? That's all you need. So real, real photography, that's what I'm talking about right now. A couple years ago, and this is going to get super Christian, super fast. I realized that while I was rehearsing, so please just, I apologize for this. But a few years ago, my buddies and I went to Costco to buy a real camera because we wanted to get into film, and we wanted to get into filming specifically time lapses, Okay. And uh, specifically sunsets, because we're Christians, where you set up the camera, you listen to Hillsong United, and you capture the whole, <laughs> the whole deal. And, I can't, and so we were doing mission work in the Dominican Republic one evening. Gosh, we climbed up to the roof of the building that we were staying in because we wanted to capture not the sunset this time, but the moonrise, right? Like everybody gets sunsets, only pioneers get moonrises. That's what happens when you're a missionary. You're like, it's cool, let's, let's, let's be different. That's cool, you know, we'll get the moon rising tonight, and, um, and uh, it just so happened to be a full moon, which means that the moon was going to rise the exact same time that the sun was supposed to set. You might be like, Psh, duh, doesn't that happen every night? No. Freshen up on your astronomy. I took astronomy 101 in college, got a B plus, so you can trust me on this when I say <laughs> I know about the moon. And this particular night, it was a full moon, and like everything, the moon rises in the east, so we're on the roof of this building, and we face the tripod towards the east, okay? We face, I don't know which way is east, we'll just say it's this. We'll face the tripod to the east, and we're going to capture this epic moonrise. and it's the DR, we're on the ocean, so there's going to be like dolphins and monkeys and the stars coming out. This is like, this is going to win awards, right? This will win awards, and... And here's what happened. I, I kid you not, and I'm not exaggerating here. For the next two hours, what unfolded behind us was the most amazing sunset I have ever seen in my entire life. And I'm not exaggerating. It was like it was like a spectacle of God. God showing off in every way. Like the whole western horizon, the whole western sky was like lit on fire that night. It's like, we, we thought like, is this, is Jesus coming back? Like, is this the rapture? You start like repenting for a few small things at the last minute just to be safe, you know? I like grab my Bible out of my backpack, so if Jesus comes back, I'm holding it. <laughs> he comes back, I'm just like, oh, hey, Jesus. No, it's just reading the Bible. It's a good book, man. I love, I love all, the, the verses are good. I love all of them. 
Rapture rehearsal. That's what this night was. This, this once-in-a-century sunset gets more and more beautiful by the minute. And we keep thinking, should we, like, turn the camera around to capture the sunset instead of the moonrise that hasn't started yet? And, and we thought, nah, if the sunset is this amazing... Imagine what the freaking moonrise is going to be like, man. If the sunset is this, the moonrise is going to be absolutely incredible. And for the next two hours, we patiently waited while our anticipation just dwindled little by little. And I, like this, I swear, this is what I feel like happened. I feel like God like, got some exercise, like a creative exercise where he depleted his whole creativity tank just on this sunrise like red bam orange in the sky yellow green blue like birds angels singing how great is our god like is this the rapture am i coming back uh nope gotcha oh maybe i will Nah, i'm just kidding i'm just kidding and then he did the whole sunrise and then like and i know my theology is a little off but then he was tired with a depleted energy tank and sat down on his divine couch and then was like oh yeah moon yeah you come up <laughs> And, like, it came up, like, half hidden behind a cloud, like a gray cloud. And at this point, it was too dark to even see anything because our exposure settings were wrong for all my photographers who know what I'm saying right there. And so <laughs> it was just a total letdown. And I have no evidence of the rapture rehearsal to be able to show you that night. We faced the wrong way. We filmed the wrong thing. And because of that, we missed out on something amazing. All right, transition, and now listen to me. This is going to be up on the screen. Repentance is not you saying goodbye to all the good stuff. Repentance is turning towards the good stuff. I'm going to say that again. Repentance is not you saying goodbye to all the good stuff. It's you turning towards the good stuff. Repentance is not you giving up all the good and fun stuff in your life so that you can become a well-behaved, church-going Christian because God needs, you know, more of that. That's not what repentance is. This is not outdated. This is not archaic. It should be the easiest, most beautiful self-discipline as Christians that we have because Repentance understands that something so much more beautiful, something so much more worthy, something so much more real is right behind you if you would just simply turn around to see it. John the Baptist said, the time has come. Repent, turn around, and believe the good news. Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is here. Peter says it again in Acts 3, verse 19. Repent, then, and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. That times, I love this, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. So repentance is a courageous discipline, but it is also a gift. And it is absolutely ridiculous that you and I even have the opportunity to turn from the old and embrace the new. That's just scandalous is what it is. That's grace. That's God being as good as he is, okay? Grace is so illogical that oftentimes stepping into and living a life that is truly better than vacation, when it comes to that, your logical brain is sometimes your worst enemy, right? The jail cell's open, Christian. Walk out of it. The good stuff's behind you, Christian. Turn around, right? The good stuff's behind you. Turn around. So I've got two pillars on stage. Duh, as you've probably concluded. This one right here. This is going to represent Jesus and the life that Jesus came to give to us. So this right here, this is the more that you're searching for. This is the answer 
to the eternal-sized hole that's in your heart that you feel that you just long to have filled, right? This is salvation, but understand, and this is the heartbeat of this series, this is so much more than just salvation. And the more that you begin to, to understand that, that Jesus came for salvation, but that's just the beginning of what he came to offer you, then just like that sunset, this gets brighter and better by the minute, right? So this is Jesus, and then this over here, this is going to represent something probably different and personal for every single one of us in the place tonight. This is, this is the old life. This is sin. This is temptation. This is strongholds. This is every way in your life that you've compromised, even though you know that, that there's something more, that there's something better out there that you're choosing to forsake by choosing this, right? This is the jail cell that's open that for some reason you just can't seem to, to walk out of. And really, like every sin, every, every shortcoming, every bit of worry and stress, every bit of fear and doubt, every lie that you believe, every bit of shame that you harbor, every reason that you're here and not there can really be boiled down to the fact that you really, really don't believe somewhere deep down that what Jesus has is better than this. It can be boiled down to the fact that you really don't know exactly how good your God is. Well, maybe you did know and you forgot. C.S. Lewis actually has a very famous quote for good reasons. Can you put that up on the screen? A brilliant quote. He says this, it would seem to our Lord, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. And keep that up. In other words, you're hanging out over here, not because your desires are, are so strong, but actually because they're too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. And I love how he used the word ignorant, because that's not a bash. That's just, hey, you just don't know. An ignorant child content with making mud pies in the slum because you can't fathom what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. You're over here. I'm over here. We find ourselves over here all too often because we are far too easily pleased. Far too easily pleased. And for me, I don't know about you, this has been a bunch of different things for me even over the last decade. Like once upon a time, it was alcohol, it's been drugs, it's been pornography, it's been sleeping around, it's been comparison. Like it's still anxiety, it's still anger, it's still selfish ambition, it is still people-pleasing, okay? And I think it's important to point out that following Jesus doesn't make this pillar just automatically disappear. Like you accept Christ and Jesus comes in, sprinkles some fairy dust on this, and poof, it's gone, right? That's not what happens. Following Jesus means that you now have something so much better and beautiful to turn towards rather than face this. You now have something so much more beautiful to turn towards rather than face this. That's what this is. It's eternal. This is what stands above everything else. This is what is still present the next morning when you wake up, right? This is the fruit of the Spirit and love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. That's what this is Right over here, this is what Jesus came to give us. It means freedom is what this is, proving once again that repentance is not turning away from the good stuff. Repentance is turning towards 
the good stuff. Jesus came so that you might have life and have it to the full, and that's what you find here, regardless of the season, regardless if it's stormy or if it's clear skies, regardless if it's the valley lows or the mountaintops. He stands above it all, right? Above it all. Life better than vacation is simply found in facing this direction. And so to get real with you, um, high school, some of high school, pretty much all of college, even after that, um, my thing was kind of the party scene, right? Let's just call it, let's just call it that. Let's talk about that for a little bit. My thing was the party scene. And, and let's just be honest, we're in church, we're all messed up, we are all, we, none of us stand a chance without Jesus, we're all in the same boat. Let's be honest, like, this is fun. This is fun if you don't know about the something better that is out there. Making mud pies in a slum is awesome. It's a good old time as long as you remain ignorant of what it means to have an offer of a holiday at sea. But man, once you start to become honest with that haunting voice that is the spirit that's deep down saying, you know there's more out there for you. You know that you were created and designed for something bigger and better than what you're currently walking in. Once you, once you kind of let that haunt you and fess up to it a little bit, this kind of starts to lose its magic. It starts to get frustrating. I felt this for the very first time. I was a junior in college, and I was going to school actually in Australia and uh, felt God's call for the very first time. Didn't really know, like, what it was. Um, I knew, like, I got to think this is you, and the word that just I always kind of had was more. This is you, God, and I just feel like there's just, there's more. And I don't really have language for it, but I know that that's what this is. And um, I'm in Sydney with all of my roommates, and on this particular night, it was a night in April in 2009, I find myself in a very, very familiar place with all my roommates. We're down at the, the pub down by the beach called the Coogee Bay Hotel. I'll never forget it. We went there all the time. And on this night, I was drinking, but I was drinking a lot. Like I was drinking to, to numb myself for the night and just to kind of to forget things and just to kind of exist, right? To not be anxious, to not, you know, you know how it goes. And, and I, find, I remember, like, I'm in line waiting to buy more drinks, and I, 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 like, this is so weird, but it was like my mind was intoxicated, but my spirit was completely sober, and my spirit was, like, going, hey, this is no longer fun for you. It used to be when you were ignorant of that, but now you know. You know there's something out there that's calling you, and you're not going to be... You're not going to be at peace with this anymore until you at least go try to find out what it is. It was so weird. I was like, okay. And so I left the, the bar that night and walked home back to my house. My roommates probably thought, like, this was so weird. And, and I, I went into my room, and I put on basketball shorts, and I laced up my Nikes, and I went for a run down to the beach, okay? And, and first of all, just so you know, intoxication and physical exercise don't mix very well. Um, they don't mix very well. You probably didn't need me to tell you that, but like, this is funny. Like the only verse I really knew at the time was Hebrews 12, chapter two, that says, let us run <laughs> with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. And so I was like, okay, I'll go on a run 
and try to fix my eyes on Jesus. I was like, this so, it's, I love it. Like, this was, this was when I was so new to my faith. This was before I learned Christianese and all the right things to say, before I found out that you're supposed to put on a show at church and pretend that you're okay even though you're not. This was way before that. There's something so special about that time in your faith that you need to hold on to for as long as you can where you're just like, I think this is what it says. I don't know. I'll just try it. I'll go for a run and I'll fix my eyes on Jesus. And things came up. (laughs) And so... I stopped, (laughs) and I'll never forget, like, I remember the exact patch of grass that I fell to my knees in, right next to the ocean, and I'm looking up into the stars that night, just feeling so empty and so confused, like, going, and I talked out loud, I was like, God, you're real, and I think I've known that you're real for my entire life. I think I've known it, and I think that you know my name, and I think that you have something so much better for me that you're trying to call me into, and I'm horrified, to be honest with you, because this is what's familiar. This is what I'm good at. This is where my identity is, and I'm probably not going to get this right 100% of the times. In fact, this whole Christian thing, I'll probably be really bad at it, But nonetheless, God, I'm just sick of compromising. I'm sick of ordinary. I'm sick of surviving. And I'm sick of one day. And so, God, let's do this right here and right now. And that's repentance. And since then, I've repented about 500 times for about 100 different things. Why? Because repentance is a spiritual discipline that you put into practice daily to step into life better than vacation. It's not just a one-time fix. Jesus says, set your eyes, your minds on things above. Fix your eyes on me continually because this is calling and this will always call, but I have something better for you. And honestly, the only way to really find out if Jesus is telling the truth when he says he has something better for you is to turn and to try it for yourself and to forsake this and just give it all to him and see what he does. Right, That's Psalm 34, verse 8. Come taste and see for yourself just how good this God really is. And so if you're a Christian or if you're not in this place tonight and you have a haunting in your heart that life is less than what it could be or should be, and you just know it, my question for you, just rhetorically and honestly, Which pillar are you facing, and is repentance a part of your life daily? Are you stuck here wondering why it's so hard to break free? Are you sitting over here in a jail cell with the door swung wide open, but you can't quite get yourself to walk out of it? You can't quite get yourself. I mean, let's just, let's just continue to be real. Like, this is enticing because it feels good, right? Being, like, being drunk is enticing because it feels good, but it is not living. It feels good because it keeps you from feeling pain, but it also keeps you from feeling whole. So does being high. And not just, like, the taboo stuff, like, anything in your life. Eating, shopping, I don't know, anything that, that, that takes your focus and your direction and your pursuit off of this 
is doing nothing but stealing from you, trying to destroy you, and at the very, very least, rob from you. The enemy knows he cannot touch your salvation, and so he's going to do anything that he can do to rob you of your passion, to rob you of your integrity, to rob you of your character, to rob you of your influence, to rob you of relationships, to rob you of your marriage, to rob you of this life to the full that Jesus came to give you until you're nothing left You're nothing but a shell of a Christian who, yeah, is saved by grace but has no fruit in your life to show for it, right? And here's the key, and this is what I want to stick, and this is what clicked for me a few years ago that I want to share with you. In battling this, if you try to battle and fight whatever this is for you, you fill in the blank. If you try to do that without Jesus, you you might be really good at it. You know, you might be fighting and fighting and fighting this, and you might make it a week without looking at pornography. You might make it a month without drinking. You might be really awesome and make it six months, right? But how many people know you can white-knuckle your way out of bondage for a few weeks or a few months and still not feel free? Why is that? Why do you think that is? It's because you're facing this the entire time. Whatever this is, you've been facing it, you've been fighting it, you've been doing a good job, but you're facing the pornography, you're facing the alcohol, you're facing the comparison, you're facing the gossip, you're facing your past, you're facing that abortion, you're facing that affair, you're facing every way that you've ever compromised in your entire life, and you might be doing really good at fighting it, but all that means is that you are now a very, very sober slave to this. You are now a very, very well-behaved slave to this, because you're doing good, fighting it, but this is your focus and obsession, and your back has been to Jesus the entire time. My friend um, was telling me his testimony about a pornography addiction that he had for years, and um, he tried battling it, wasn't really working, until, and I don't remember the incident, but he, there was some incident that, that scared the crap out of him where he was like, this is going to ruin my life. This is going to ruin my family. This is going to ruin a lot of things, and, and, and I need to do something now. Not then, but now. And he got serious about fighting it. And because he's good at doing that in his own strength, he actually made it six months without looking at pornography, which was quite a feat. But I remember him telling me, he said, that six-month mark, me and my family, we, went, we were on an Alaskan cruise, and, uh, there was an, and there was one night when I couldn't sleep, and so I got out of my bed, I went up and walked around the deck of the cruise ship just to think and just to pray, and he came to the back of the cruise ship and laid down on this bench and just, I'll never forget, he said, I looked up at the, the stars at night in the middle of the ocean, could see every star, and I realized I'm six months sober into this thing, but I do not feel free at all. I do not feel free because you fight and you battle and that's good and that's noble and that's wisdom. But unless your eyes are fixed on something that's better than this, you never find freedom from fill in the blank, whatever this is for you. Acts 3.19. Yeah, you can clap. Commit if you're going to do it. Once again, repent then and turn to God. Repent then and turn to God. 
so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Because did Jesus say, clean up your act because the kingdom of heaven has come near? Or did Jesus say, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near? He said, repent, not clean up your act. And so the question is, what is the difference between cleaning up your act and repenting? And the difference, the answer to that question is found in the direction that you're facing. The answer to that question is found in the direction that you're facing. This is cleaning up your act, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, getting your life together. And this, turning to something more beautiful and better, is repentance. Jesus is saying, yeah, fight this. Battle this. That's wisdom. You should do that. But replace that addiction with a stronger addiction. Replace this obsession with a better obsession. Are you a sober slave tonight? Are you trying to live this ethereal life that's better than vacation, abundant life, but you just can't seem to do it? You just can't seem to get there like it's not working. It might be because you're facing this and you've been facing this the entire time and this has never worked for anybody. You need to turn around and face Jesus and face something better. Face Jesus, fix your eyes on him and make him your focus because if you're focused on this, you can't be focused on this. If you're heading in this direction, you just by definition can't head in this direction, which is why I am convinced that if you could somehow take all the time and effort and energy that you put sometimes into just fighting sin and you could put that instead into loving Jesus and pursuing him and stepping into the unknown with Jesus you would be a lot more free and a lot less frustrated than you currently are you cannot fight this on your own you cannot battle this without a stronger obsession to turn towards this will always be a jail cell that's open that you're sitting in unless you can walk out of it towards something better. This past weekend, I was at a wedding with my wife. We go to a lot of weddings. And our favorite part of the night is dancing. Anybody else at weddings? Weddings are awesome. What a great invention. Almost as good of an idea as honeymoons. Whoever came up with that idea just like deserves a high five. And I love being on the dance floor until Teach Me How to Dougie comes on. <laughs> because in that moment, everybody looks at me to teach them how to Dougie. This is my least favorite part of the whole night. Why? Because I can't dance. I can't dance. Now, every time I say that, I always have like the one hopeless romantic who's like, that's not true. Everybody can dance. You just get out there and have fun. That's not true. <laughs> False. It is true. Everybody can like flail around and have fun and be goofy on the dance floor, but not everybody was blessed by the good Lord with an ability to express externally the rhythm that we so feel on the inside. Not all of us can do that. And so my only chance on the dance floor is to embrace being the goofy guy. I crush that until that infamous, infamous beat drops and teach me how to Dougie comes on. Because as soon as that beat drops, everybody else goes, well, your name's Doug. Teach us how to Dougie. Dougie, dance for us. Dance for us. <laughs> and what they don't know 
is that deep in my heart, I so badly want to be able to teach them how to Dougie, but I can't do it. No matter how hard I try, I do not possess the ability. I do not possess the ability to do it. And everybody is like crushed by the fact it seems, at least in my mind, that I can't do it. They're like, we finally met a Doug under the age of 65, and he can't even teach me how to Dougie. Like, God, are you even real? Is love even a real thing anymore? I don't know. I like ruin the reception because I can't Dougie until my wife comes in and saves the day for me. Girl's got more rhythm in her than Michael Jackson. She's the best dancer I know. And so she comes in and she teaches everybody how to Dougie. She does it. Everybody gets excited. I almost ruin the wedding. She comes in and saves the day. This happens most receptions that we're at. This is an awesome metaphor. <laughs> when it comes to beating whatever this is, you cannot do this on your own. No matter how hard you want to, no matter how hard or how much you believe you can, you cannot fight this and beat this. You're no match against this beat. You're no match against the powers of hell. The apostle Paul wasn't. King David wasn't. Moses was not a match against this. No matter how badly you want to fight, no matter how frustrated you get at yourself, no matter how frustrated other people in your life are at you because you're struggling with A, B, or C, you are no match to fight this on your own. You need Jesus to come in and save the day and do for you what you could not do by yourself. You need Jesus. You need something better to turn to. Come to me, all who are weary, all who are burdened. I will give you rest. It's that old hymn, fix your eyes on Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. I think I'm getting this right. I got the concept. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace, right? You fix your eyes here. You face here. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Change to this direction. Rather than trying to be a sober slave that fights until you're exhausted, I'd rather you just figure this out now because this is the secret. We think of repentance as this scary, horrible thing we never want to talk about, but this is such a beautiful, the fact that we even have an opportunity to turn away from the old and embrace the new is scandalous and absolutely absurd. Do it daily. This is a spiritual discipline. This is not a one-time quick fix. I promise you, God has so much for you, more than you can imagine. Try him. If you're not a Christian, try him. If you're a Christian and you're bored and you feel like, I just know there's more, leave something and try him. But that takes you being sick and tired of mud pies in a slum and daring to believe that the creator of the universe just might know what he's talking about when it comes to living life and living it to the full. He loves you just the way you are, but he also loves you way too much to let you stay that way. And something needs to change. That's what repentance is. It's change. It's a fruit of faith. It's change. No more of this talk of like, nah, just go to church. 
So I'm a Christian even though nothing about my life looks different. The Bible's not gonna let you get away with that. You're saved by faith through grace, but a fruit of faith is repentance and repentance is change. Not everything, but one thing, something. Whatever it is, it's worth it. So what do you need to repent from? What compromises are you making? Do you know how good your God is? Do you trust him enough to step out, to step out of the old and and into whatever's new? God's calling you, but life better than vacation is not found in the call. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called, right? We all love that verse so much. But there's nothing really all that special about being called. Every person in this room is called. It's kind of like being born. You didn't do anything. On your birthday, you're like, our moms should be celebrated on our birthdays. They're the ones who did something, not us. You're called because of God. Life to the full is not found in a call. It's found in your response to it. It's found in, okay, now since I'm called, I'm gonna let God qualify me rather than just using grace or that quote as an amazing excuse to hang out here because God's gonna use somebody messed up like me. Moses was a murderer, true, but as soon as God called him, he stopped murdering, stepped out of this and stepped into something new. God can use anybody, but life to the full is not in the call, it's to the response. It's to letting God qualify you so that he can use you to change the world and step into and fulfill whatever calling he has given you. Come away with him. It's gonna be wild, it's gonna be great, it's gonna be full of him. The only way to understand if it's truly better than whatever life strategy you've been living in that by the way hasn't been working, which is why you're here, is to try him. So would you guys stand? Tonight, I challenge you to try him. Tonight, I challenge you not to be afraid to be known for whatever this fill in the blank is in your life. We're all in the same boat here. Confession to God, to people, to the world is not something to be afraid of. It's your ticket into more. Leave the old for the new. Turn away from the moonrise and look at the sunset of the century that's right behind you. Let's pray. God, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for my friends in this room. Every one of us walked into here with a different thing, a different first pillar, whatever that is. And those things change for us over the years, but all of us have something tonight. And whatever that thing is, it's comfortable because it's familiar and it's easy, but it's also robbing us from the more that we know you have for us. And tonight we are sick of compromising. Tonight we are sick of ordinary. Tonight we are sick of just surviving when we know, Jesus, that you hung on a cross, not just so that we could be with heaven, be with you in heaven forever one day, but that's so that we could thrive in the here and the now. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is here and now. It is not then, it is not there. It is in this building tonight and tonight we sing and we worship like we believe that's true. Jesus, we love you. We pray all of these things in your name, in your beautiful, beautiful name. And everybody said, amen.